Perhaps you've seen the commercial. A middle-aged man with an injured foot has it elevated in a recliner. He is on a video conference with his doctor discussing his treatment. The doctor tells him to stay off of his foot in order to allow it to heal. The man responds, but what about my rec team? I'm all they've got. The doctor tells him the team will have to wait until next year. As they end their phone call, he turns to his wife with an exaggerated sense of self-importance and says, I just love a doctor who knows how to treat athletes. With a tone of sarcasm, she replies, does he know that you tripped over a basketball? He exclaims, that's a sports injury. Our perceptions and expectations have a lot to do with how we interpret reality. They can be so strong that we're unwilling, if not unable to accept when reality contradicts them. It was the long held expectations of a promised Messiah, the Hebrew word for anointed, that made it difficult for the people of Israel in the first century to believe that Jesus was indeed God's chosen one. The prophetic hope of a coming Messiah who would rescue God's people as Savior demonstrated, pardon me, dominated their view of the future, just as the memory of God granting them an exodus from, the, from Egypt characterized their past. They longed for a king like David who would restore Israel's place of prominence among the nations with a sense of security and usher in a time of prosperity and peace. Only as the king stood perfectly in relationship with the Lord would these glowing hopes attached to him become a reality. Not only was this the expected outcome of the Messiah's coming, but how the Messiah would accomplish it was also fixed in their minds. When the, with the opening line of Matthew's Gospel, he identifies Jesus as God's Messiah. Yet here and throughout his Gospel, Matthew wants his readers to know that Jesus was a different kind of Messiah than what most people expected. Matthew shows the story of Jesus' life, teaching, death, and resurrection was according to God's plan and in continuity with the call and covenant God made with Abraham and the promise and covenant God made with David. With the birth of Jesus, everything was about to change for the people of God and for all the families of the earth. They were on the edge of something new which God would accomplish in Jesus if only they had the faith to see it. As we listen to these scriptures from Matthew's Gospel and Paul's letter to the Philippians read for us by David Paul, may we have ears to hear and eyes to see what God did indeed do through Jesus and what God might do in and through us. Matthew 1, 1 an account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Philippians 2, 5-11 Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, 
though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The Word of the Lord. The opening of Matthew's Gospel is a chapter of names which, taken together, answer the question of who is Jesus. He is son of David, son of Abraham, and his name means Yahweh saves. Matthew begins with a genealogy to show that Jesus was an heir of King David who fulfills the promises made to him and kept alive in Judaism. And he was an heir of Abraham who fulfills the promise of bringing God's blessing to Abraham's offspring and beyond. In doing so, Matthew is not merely giving an account of Jesus' biological ancestry, but demonstrating God's providential plan by sending Jesus as the Messiah. Once Matthew identifies Jesus as such, he soon reveals that Jesus is a different kind of Messiah than certainly what the religious leaders of Jesus' day expected. Let's examine how each of these name designations Matthew uses indicates how this is so. First, we'll look at the designation of Son of David. With the establishment of a monarchy, the people's life was totally bound up with that of its king. God's promise to David to preserve his line forever meant people and their ruler were inextricably linked. As long as there was a descendant of David who sat on the throne, Israel could be sure that God's favor was upon them. If the king exercised justice and righteousness in his rule, then the people were considered good in God's eyes and blessed accordingly. But if the king sinned, then the whole nation fell under the judgment of God. With the eventual capture of Jerusalem and Israel's exile to Babylon in 587 BC, the monarchy and Davidic rule came to an end but not the hope of a future anointed descendant from David's lineage. Thus, Israel continued to long for a perfect king, a Messiah through whom all the blessings of God would be bestowed upon them in full measure. As son of David, Jesus is indeed Israel's true king. But unlike David, he is not a warrior king who takes the throne by force. In the words of the prophet Isaiah, he is a suffering servant who gives his life as a ransom for others and sacrifices his life as a demonstration of God's love and grace. 
It is not Jesus' royal blood that qualifies him as Messiah, but his divine bloodline and God-like characteristics of humility, self-emptying, and servant orientation, which reflects how God saves. As Paul states in his letter to the Philippians, it is the way Jesus embodies the role as Messiah that is so revealing and compelling. Though equal to God, Jesus chooses to become like us in order to make us capable of becoming like him. It is how Jesus saves that is truly the astonishing story of the gospel. This one who created the universe became vulnerable as a baby, was willing to be misunderstood in his role as servant to those in need, was willing to suffer the indignities and cruelty of evil, was willing to be judged unworthy and rejected by people of faith, all so that he might restore what was lost by humanity's rebellion against God. This story of salvation brought about by this kind of Messiah is why Matthew wrote his gospel. The second reference is to son of Abraham, and it carries with it the promise of blessing for God's people, Israel. It also fulfills the wider promise of blessings to the Gentiles made through Abraham. This emphasis of Matthew comes into greater focus with the response of the Magi, who as people outside of Judaism, nevertheless come to pay homage to the one who is born King of the Jews. During Jesus' ministry, he interacts with Pharisees and Sadducees who presume to claim we have Abraham as our father. Jesus counters by warning them that God is able to raise up new children of Abraham. Thus, the designation of Jesus as son of Abraham has more to do with him being the offspring through whom all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Now to the third designation for Jesus' identity as Messiah, the meaning of his name, Yahweh saves. The important question to ask here is, saved from what? The answer reveals just how much of a different kind of Messiah Jesus is than what Judaism expected. Their expectation was for God's Messiah to save them from their enemies by overtaking those who occupied and oppressed them. With a show of might and force, their Messiah would turn the tables on their enemy and right the wrongs they had endured. Matthew tells it differently. The reason he has given the name Jesus is, quote, he will save his people from their sins. The enemy is not a foreign power who occupies their land and fortunes, but the one who controls their hearts and destiny, the enemy of sin and death. I think we can identify with this expectation for those religious leaders of Jesus' day who wanted to objectify what was wrong and assess the blame outside of themselves. We might admit our need to be saved from a deadly virus, to be saved from economic inflation and financial inequities. 
We need saving from people who wound our egos and from criticism that diminishes our self-esteem. But the gospel challenges us to see the wrong that separates us from God and causes us to be distrustful of others. In the presence of a Savior Messiah, the gospel challenges us to take responsibility for the wrong that runs right through us and admit the distance that we've put between ourselves and God. Thus, to repent of our sins and to trust God to save us. If we want to celebrate the true meaning of Christmas, we need to begin with the identity of Jesus as God's Messiah, the one who came for those in need of a savior. When our world is rocked by change and uncertainty, we easily become disparaged with the present and we become anxious about the future. As people of faith, we have reason to have hope, to trust that in the midst of what we do not want, God is with us and is able to do what we might never have expected. As Jesuit theologian Pierre de Teilhard Deschardin reminds us with these words, above all, trust the slow work of God. We are quite naturally impatient in everything to reach the end without delay. We should like to skip the intermediate stages we are impatient of being on the way to something unknown, something new. And yet it is a law of all progress that it is made by passing through some stages of instability and that it may take a very long time. And so it is with us. Our ideas mature gradually, so let them grow. Let them shape themselves without undue haste. Try not to force them on as though we could be today what time, or that is to say grace and circumstances, will make of us tomorrow. Only God could say what this new spirit gradually forming within us will be. Give our Lord the benefit of believing that his hand is leading you and accept the anxiety of feeling yourself in suspense and incomplete. As we enter the season of Advent, let us wait for the coming Messiah with patient eagerness, with open expectations, and with faithful receptivity. For blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen.